Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're studying Daf Lamed Zayin, Daf 37 of Masechta Yoma. A pretty interesting Daf, I'd say. Uh, we're going to first wrap up with the slaughtering of the Parachatos Asher Lo, the um, Korban Chatos of the the, the, the cow offering of the Kohen Gadol Yom Kippur. We then move on to a new Mishnah, which is, um, begins talking about the two goats, the Seir La Hashem and the Seir La Azazel. Some interesting Agaritas over there. So let us begin on the Aflamad Vav Mudbez. We still have a little bit to go on the Aflamad Vav. So let's get started there. Tony Rabbanan, about, I'd say somewhere between 10 and 15 lines from the bottom. The Rabbis Tav Echiper. So when the Pasuk says, Echiper Bado Vad Beso, that when the Kohen Gadol offers the parachatas, he will atone for himself and for his family. So we're suggesting that v'chiper, he will atone. We're suggesting that he will atone through his confession, verbally. Then the Gemara suggests, wait, but maybe... To atone means the atonement by the blood of the author, offering, right? In general, we say that the kapara, right? That the, that, 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 that the kapara of a korban, of a sacrifice, comes through its blood. So, on the one hand, in general, the atonement of a sacrifice is through its blood, yet we want to suggest over here that the atonement is via the confession. So let's see. Hariani done. So I will judge. Nemukan kapara v'nemalahalan kapara. It says kapara in the context of the parachatas ashelo. This 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 cow chatas of the kohen gadol. And it also says kapara atonement by the soyer mishtaleach, the goat that is thrown off a cliff. Ma kapara amur b'soyer dvarim. And just like the atonement, when it says kapara, in the context of the goat that is thrown off the cliff, that is obviously a verbal atonement because you don't slaughter that goat, you throw it off a cliff. So also the atonement that's written by the cow chatas of the Kohen Gadol is, we're talking about verbal there as well, uh, a confession. And if you want to say, Omer. I'll give you a different answer. That later on, meaning initially when it says the first right, it says it twice. The first time is in Vayikra. Where, where, where is this puzzle that I'm looking for? The first, the first time it's written is in Vayikra Perak Aleph Pazuk Vav. I think. What? Oh no, Perak Tezayin Pazuk Vav. It says, So, but then again, five psukim later in Perik Tezayin and Vayikra, uh, meaning both of them are Perik Tezayin, but this now is Pasuk Yud Aleph, is it says, And then it says, So slaughter is Parachatos. So it says, And only then he's slaughtering. So clearly then, when it says, It's pre-slaughter, which means clearly it's not an atonement of blood, it's an atonement of words. So again, Vimnaf Shalomar, and I'll give you, basically I'll give you a different answer. The Gemara is about to ask, you know, what, what's this Vimnaf Shalomar thing? But Vare Omer, it says, The five psukim later, it says that a Haran will bring close 
the cow offering that he has, v'chiper ba'dovad beiso, and he will atone for himself and for his family. And then only afterwards it says v'shachad is parachatas hashelo, and he will slaughter the cow chatos v'adain lo nishchat apar, which means therefore at the time of this v'chiper ba'dovad beiso, the cow is not yet slaughtered, which means that we must be talking about a verbal atonement. How come we had to give two reasons? Reason number one is that we compared it to the uh, goat that's thrown off a cliff, that that's verbal atonement. And then we say, and I'll give you another answer, because it says, and it hasn't yet said, how come we need the second answer? So, answer the Gemara, well, if you want to suggest, wait. Meaning, if we initially suggested that, well, it says, so by his cow, and it also says, Kapara in the context of the goat that's thrown off the cliff. So just like the goat that's thrown off the cliff, whatever atonement he's doing beforehand is going to be verbal. So therefore also, and it says, by this cow of Achatas, so it's also verbal. But one second, maybe I'll suggest, don't learn it out from the cow that's thrown off the cliff. No, from the goat that's thrown off the cliff. Learn it out from the goat that's slaughtered, right? The Seri Hashem. And over there, it is Kapara's Damim. It's an atonement of blood. So maybe then, if I'm learning from the goat that is sacrificed for the Abishter, so then I could learn from there that Kapara by the cow, by the Parachata, should also be verbal, uh, should also be blood. So therefore I give a, 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 an alternative answer, which is, that well, it says, and only afterwards, which means that at the time of the kapara, the cow was not yet slaughtered, which means it's taka of verbal atonement. Very, very beautiful stuff. So, right, so again, so what's this alternative answer? Because if you're going to say, that if you're going to suggest that instead of learning out the cow, from the goat that's chucked, chucked off the cliff, rather than out the cow from the goat that's slaughtered in the Azara. And over there, the kapara is taka through the blood. Well, we have that uh, second answer, which is that, well, when it says, the cow has not yet been slaughtered yet. And therefore, it's clearly a verbal atonement. How do we know, Frakti Gemara, that he says, Ono Hashem, Chatosi, Aviti, Avisi, Pashati, Lefanecha? How do we know that he says, that he says, Ono? Nemakan, Kapara, Venemulahalon, Bechoriv Kapara. Well, it says, Kapara, in the context of, Vichibabadavad Beso. And it also says, Kapara, by the Chete Egel, where it says, Ulaya Chapurbad Chataschem. Malahalon, Beono, Avkan, Beono. So just like over there, by the Chet Egel, it says Ona. It says Ona Chota Omaze. So here also by the Parachatos, he's going to say Ona. Umnayin she b'shem. How do you know they also say Shem? It says Ona Hashem Chatosi Aviti Fosposhati Lefanecha, etc. So how do we know that over here also by the by by the Yom Kippur Itaka says Hashem? Namakan Kapar v'Namal be'Egla Rufa Kapar. Well, it says Kapar by. The Parachatas Hashelot also says Kapar by Egla Rufa. When you find a fellow who's been slain between two cities and you don't know who he was slain by, so it says over there Kapar Lam So it says Kapar over there as well. So Malahalim B'Shem Avkan B'Shem. Just like by Egla Rufa, it's B'Shem, as the pasuk says Kapar Lam Chayisos Hashem. 
So you're also by Yom Kippur, it is with shame. So therefore it's Ona Hashem, Chatosi, Avisi, Poshaiti, Lefonecha, Om Rabbi, Bishlam Echoid, Megla, Rufalo, Yolif, Madavahava. Says Abai, one second. So we've basically re- discussed three contexts here. We have Yom Kippur where it says Kapara. We have Chorev. We have Egla Rufa. We're learning out Yom Kippur from both Egla Rufa and Chorev. Why don't we learn out Chorev and Egla Rufa one from the other? And Abai says, okay, I, I understand why you can't go back in history and say, well, you should say shame. You should say the name of God in the context of Chorev because it says it by Egla Rufa. I mean, the 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 uh, already happened in that context. They didn't say shame. Like it's too late. You can't go back and rewrite history. However, what we can do though is say that egla rufa. You should taka say ana, just like in the case of chorev, where it says kapara, right? As it says and it also says over there ana chata amaze. So why don't we say that just like by chorev it says ana? So then I should argue that by egla rufa also we should say ana. So says Abai, I understand why, okay, by the Cheta Egel, they didn't say Ono. Moshe didn't say Ono over there. So he didn't say Ono. It's too late. You can't go back and rewrite whatever happened, whatever was said, whatever wasn't said. However, But why don't we learn out the Alachas of Egla Rufa from Chorev, from the Egg, from the Cheta Egel, and say that just like over there it says Ono. So by Egla Rufa, in the, in, in, we, we should add the word honor to whatever we're saying. And if you say, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. We should say honor by the Egla Rufa. But we learn in a Mishnah Quanim Omim, the Quanim say, Atone for your nation. They don't say anything about honor Kasha. It's a good question. Um, yeah, we should theoretically learn out Egla Rufa from Chorev, and, and we, we seem not to. So, the Gemara leaves it as an open question. Alright, what do you guys think? I think we should go weiter, right? They know in Acharev, and all the, so after the Kayin Gadol says, Ono Hashem, Chatos, Avisi, Poshati Lufanecha, etc., 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 the Quanim are there, say, Baruch Shem, Kfod Machusul, Olam Void. Tani with an abrasive Rebbe Omer says, Rebbe, Kishem Hashem Ekra, Vogodol Elukenu. That the Pasuk says in um, Parshish Hazinu, that Kishem Hashem Ekra, when I will call out in the name of God, Havogodol Elukenu, bring greatness to our God. Amulem Moshe Yisrael, Moshe says to the Bnei Yisrael, Bishashani Maskir, Shmosh HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that at the time that I mention the name of God, Atem Havogodol, give greatness. And therefore, when the Kohen Gadol says, Ona Hashem, Chatosi Avisi, etc. So the people in the Zara, the, uh, some of the Quanim in the Zara, they then respond, That when you mention the, 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 the Tzadik, and what? I actually looked, there's an interesting Rashi over here. Hamaskir Tzadik Mavarcho. Somebody who mentions a Tzadik, Blesses him. And in this case, the tzaddik, I guess, being the God, when I mention the righteous of eternity, i.e. God, Atem Tnubracha give a blessing, which is when they say Baruch, Shem Kfar So, so Zechet Tzadik, Livracha. Very, 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 very interesting stuff. You mention the tzaddik, or in this case, the tzaddik Olamim, so then give a bracha. Wow. 
new Mishnah, Bala Lemizrach Azara, the Tzvon So now he comes to the eastern part of the Azara, to the north of the Mizbeach, meaning not directly north, because the Mizbeach itself, Mistama, is in the western half of the Azara. However, arguably, but whatever it is, it's to the east of the Mizbeach and to the north of it as well. Okay. So like by the first part of the Azar when you walk in through Shar Nikonor. Hasagan Mimino, Vroj Besav Mismolo, and as the coin is ambulating to over there, I don't know if that word makes sense. Does it? Dennis? Can you say that somebody ambulates somewhere? Alright. Let's just say he walked there. So as the um coin is walking to the northeast of the Azara. So he's got the Sgan, the deputy, to his right, and he's got the head of the base of, of the of the group of Kohanim who were serving that day to his left. So you got the Sgan to his right and the head of the, the Rosh base of to his left. Visham Sirim, and in the uh, northeast of the Azara are two goats. The Kalfi Aisasham, there was a box there. Uvashne Goralos, and there were two lots in the box. Shel Ashkiro, and they were made out of boxwood. Hayu. Vasan ben Gamla Shazov and Ben Gamla. Chevi, remember Ben Gamla? Ben Gamla was the husband of Martabas Baisus. Right? We had learned the other day. What was it? Was it Dafyud Ches even Taka? We had learned the other day that there was a possibility. Uh, yeah, that's a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Dafyud Chesamaral. So there was a possibility that the Kohen Gadol would never have, have, would never have even learned the parish of Achremos. And the Gemara said, how's that possible? They said, well, Lemaise in the second temple, you had this, um, reality where people would mamish pay, right? The, the, the Kuna Gadol became a paid position. You would buy it. And we said that Marisabas Baisus, which was one of the, she was one of the wealthiest people in Jerusalem. Shitaka bought the Kuna Gadola for her husband, uh, Yoshua ben Gamla. So it says that Yoshua ben Gamla, when he became the Kohen Gadol, he made the uh, lots Shalzov. So he, what he did was he made these lots that the Yom Kippur, that the Kohen Gadol would draw for the goats on Yom Kippur. He made them out of gold. And they said that was a very Gishmaka thing that he did. Very nice. Ben Kain also, Yudbeis Dad Lechior. Ben Kain, when he was Kohen Gadol, he made 12 spouts for the Kior, which the, right, the, uh, the water basin that the Kohanim would use to wash their hands and feet. That initially there were only two spouts, which would mean that only two Kohanim could wash their hands and feet at a time. But as we learned the other day, there would be 12 Kohanim that would need to wash their hands and feet in order to do the avoda of the Korban I mean, There were 13 Kohanim who won the lottery for the Korban Tamim. However, the Shrita, we said, did not need to have Kiddush Adayim Raglaim, But the other 12 Kohanim would have to do Kiddush Adayim Raglaim. And if there are only two spouts on the Kira, so they would have to, they would have to go in six turns. So Ben Cotton added 
more spouts to the cure so that there would be 12 spouts and um, everybody would be able to wash their hands and feet at once and go weiter. He also made um, some kind of mechanical device where you can lower the kior into a, a spring so that the water would not become noser, right? Meaning because the kior was considered a klisharis, which means that when water would be placed into the kior, so it would become holy, which would also mean that as something that's holy, if it is not used overnight, if it remains overnight, it becomes nosar, which means that you have to then spill it out. And it's not so kishmak to have to spill out holy water. So therefore, to work around that, he created, he created this mechanical contraption that would lower the kior into a spring every night so that if it was touching the spring and it was considered spring water, it wouldn't become nosar. So that, oh, I don't know if nosar is necessarily the right word there, but uh, I guess nosar is leftover korbanos. I don't know if that would necessarily apply to the water. That, But lina, lon, I think it comes from the same idea, um, meaning it, it, if it just kind of hung out overnight and it wasn't used, so then it just becomes possible by the next morning, it can no longer be used. Munbaz amelech hoya ose koyodos akedem shoyom akipurim shelzov. Munbaz the king. He would make all of the handles of the vessels for Yom Kippur out of gold. Hilni Imo, his mother Hilni, the queen, she made a chandelier out of gold and that was hanging uh, at the entrance of the Heichel. And we'll discuss that on Daflam and Zainamud base. Vafi also saw Tavla Shelzov. She also made a, um, a uh, like plaque or a tablet out of gold, that the uh, Parsha of the Sota, right? A woman who is suspected of having an extramarital affair. So they would go to the Besamikdash, she would have to drink this potion, and they would write the Parsha of Sota on a cloth and you know, erase it in water. So she made a uh, tablet with the Parsha of Sota written on it, so that the Quanim wouldn't have to bring a Sefer Torah to, to look at while they're writing it. They could just look up at the tablet. Nikinor naisu nisimidal sosa vayumaskinosu the shvach. And Nikinor, from the famous Shire Nikinor, the Nikinor Gates. So the Gemara tomorrow will recount the story and the miracles that happened with Nikinor. Um, but his very special gates had a miracle surrounding them. And they uh, referred to Nicanor and his gates very fondly and positively. So from the fact that we're saying that he then went to the north of the Mizbeach, right? it says, He went to the east of the Azar, to the north of the Mizbeach. Says the Gemara, well that implies that the Mizbeach itself was not in the north. That he would have to go to the north of the Mizbeach, that the Mizbeach itself was not in the north. That the Mizbeach already ended, it began at, towards the southern wall of the Azar, and it already ended before the north, the northern half of the Azar began. Implying that the Mizbeach itself was not in the north of the Azar, Mani, who is the Tana who holds it, Rebeleazer ben Yaakov. It's Rebeleazer ben Yaakov, the Tana is learning the Bryce, Safon of the Fnashem, that when the Pasuk says, 
V'shachat also Yerucham is beach tzafon l'fnei Hashem that you will slaughter the korban on the uh, 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 on the northern side of the mizbeach before Hashem. So they they learn out they make a drasha tzafon l'fnei Hashem sheyei tzafon kulo panui l'fnei from lashon panui to be empty that the northern part of the azara opposite the mizbeach should be completely empty, meaning even empty of the mizbeach. There should be nothing in the northern part of the azara, including the mizbeach. The Mizbeach should finish before the northern part of the Azara begins. And therefore, if we're saying that he had to Davka walk to the north of the Mizbeach in order, like, in order to be in the north of the Azara, so it must be like Rabbi Yezbun ben Yaakov that the Mizbeach ends before the north of the Azara begins. But we had said that the first part of the Mishnah, was it yesterday even? Who can remember anymore? But we had said, that from the fact that we said that he, uh, that his parachatos is bein ulam v'lamizbeach, between the ulam, which is the entryway into the heichol, and the mizbeach, that implies that there is some overlap that is between the ulam and the mizbeach, that you would be able to put the, have his cow there, and it would still be considered the north of the azar, which implies that part of the mizbeach, according to Abelazar Bab Shimon, actually is in the north. Of the Azar, and that's why he can have his cow being a ulam v'lamizbeach, and still be considered in the north. So, on the one hand, we're saying, for you know, the first part, the the previous Mishnah was Rabbi Reb Shimon, and the continuation we're saying is Rabbi ben Yaakov. First, we're saying that part of the mizbeach was in the north, and then we're saying that the none of the mizbeach was in the north. Friends, no, what do you think? Who's got a solution here? So the Gemara answers Kula Rabbi ben Yaakov. Actually, the entire thing is Rabbi ben Yaakov. Even the Reisha is like Rabbi Yezbun Yaakov. Vitani kivena ulam v'lamiz Well, it says bivain, but there's a different case that says kivain, which I think reads a little better. Ha'ulam v'lamiz No. So what we're saying is that when the Mishnah says that he would put the cow bena ulam v'lamiz it doesn't literally mean that it was sandwiched between the mizbeach on one side and the ulam on the other side. What it means is in the area meaning it was further north than the Mizbeach. It's like Rebbe Yezub and Yaakov, that, that none of the Mizbeach was in the north of the Azar, which means that if the cow of the Kohen Gadol was in the north of the Azar, it was not overlapping in any way with the Mizbeach. However, it was in the area of the Azara that would be to the west of the Mizbeach. So it was Benu Ulam Bala Mizbeach, but not necessarily, you know, overlapping with the Mizbeach. It was further north than the Mizbeach. However, you know, in terms of east-west, so it would be Mizbeach, and then cow, and then um, Heichal, but the cow was was more northward. Let's go weiter, friends. Haskan bimino v'roj beis'ov b'smolo. So the skana koanim, the deputy coin, the assistant backup coin, was to the coin gadol's right, and the head of the daily group of uh, koanim, Right, the group of Kwanim for the day was to his left, Omer of Yehuda, Malach Limin Rabu, Arezabur. Says of Yehuda that somebody who walks to his rabbi's right, he's Pashid and Ignoramus. Okay. It's not, but one second, what about our Mishnah? Asgan Bimino, Roj Besav Bismolo. Yeah, the deputy to the coin Gadol's right, and the Roj Besav to his left. You know, if we're going to use the same metaphor, Right, meaning don't walk to the right of your teacher. Well, then, assuming that the coin would would be considered the teacher in this case, well, then why is the skan to his right and the coin and and the rosh base up to his left? According to Rav Yehuda, he's saying that 
that would make the guy to the right an ignoramus, i.e. the Sagan. And more so, we learn in a Brisa, Tanya, if you have three people traveling, so, so the Rabbi Taka goes in the middle, God will be Mino, and then the greater of the two people that are with the Rabbi should be to his right, and the lesser of the two should be to his left. We also see by the three angels who visited Avram Avinu, Michal be'emtzak Gavriel b'mino v'rafal b'smalo. That Michal, the greatest one, was in the middle. Gavriel was to his right. Rafal was to his left. So we do see that there is sort of a configuration where you have, like we're seeing in our Mishnah, the greatest of the three in the middle, and then the second to the right and the third to the left. So why is Rav Yehuda saying that if you walk to the right of your teacher, you're you're an ignoramus? Tagumar of so what it means is that the student should be walking behind the teacher so that he will be covering the teacher. One second. But we have a Bryce that says that somebody walks next to his teacher, he is an ignoramus, but somebody walks behind his teacher is haughty. So basically what it means is that you have the two students would be behind the 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 teacher and kind of like each one you know oh gosh almost like imagine like a like a pyramid you have like two on the bottom and then one like on top across both of the two on the bottom so kilu you have the two students behind the teacher right next to each other one sort of on the right half of the teacher and one on the left half of the teacher if that makes sense and and that's I guess when you have this three person configuration the t- the Rebbe in the middle and the two students to the right and left respectively it doesn't mean Mamish next to him because that would be haughty um, but behind him one person on the right and one person on the left alright sounds very nice let's go weiter the coffee and there was a box there with two lots that Aharon will place on the two goats lots. Koralos shall called over, you can make them out of anything. So when it says Goralos plural, so maybe it means that you'll put two lots on one and two lots on the other. No, it says one lot is for God, one lot is for Azazel, and therefore, no, there's no two physical lots on each goat. No. One of them has a goat for God. One has the goat for Az- the, the, the lot for God. One has the lot for Azazel. Ein kan la shem el goral echad ve'en kan la zazel el echad. Yochel yitain shal shem v'shal azazel alzeh v'shal shem v'shal azazel alzeh. Well, okay. Fine. So you have one lot that says la shem, one lot that says la zazel. Maybe put both of them on one corb, on one goat and then, you know, none of them on the other one. Oh no, the opposite. Well, not the opposite, but different. That you will have one lot of God and one lot of Azazel and you'll put it on both. I don't know, either both at the same time or like you'll put one lot on like the shame on this goat and the Azazel on that goat and then you'll swap them. I don't know, some weird configuration that we're going to reject. 
It says only one Gorel for God. There's one goat that has its lot for God. There's one goat that has a lot for Azazel. Okay, fine. I get it. We don't want weird, confusing, strange configurations. But still, then what do we do with Gorelos, which is plural? No, means that, well, that they should both be the same. You shouldn't have one of gold and one of silver. You shouldn't have one large and one small. So that's what it means, gorelos, plural. That meaning both of them should be the same. Now we had said that you can make lots out of any material that you like. That's obvious. Why would I think otherwise? We need it for the filing price. Because we find by the golden plate that the Kohen Gadol would wear across his um, forehead. That it says the name of God, it's written on the tzitz. And that's specifically made out of gold. So I might think that these lots, which one of them at least says the word shame. So I might think that that should also have to be written uh, made out of gold, like the tzitz. Goral Riba. That is why it says Goral Echel Hashem Goral Echel Azazel. It says the word Goral twice to in to to be include more things. Riba Shel Zayis, Riba Shel Egos, Riba Shel Therefore, it includes all sorts of materials. You can make it out of olive wood. You can make it out of uh, other nut wood. You can make it out of boxwood. Whatever you like, um, you could use for these lots. Okay, so you have one lot that says Lashem. One lot that says La Azazel. You put one on one goat, one on the other one. Make it out of whatever materials you want, as long as they're both made out of the same material. Ben Kain also shneim also dal dechi or Ben Kain, he made twelve spouts for the kior. Tanek de sheyiu shneim also echav akwanim asukim b'tamin mekachini deim ragleim vasachas. So we learn in the brisa so that his twelve brethren kohanim who are doing the avod of the Talmud Shachar would be able, and I guess we some also Talmud Shul would be able to wash their hands and feet all at the same time, simultaneously. And then they can move on to do the avodah. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be a backup. Tana shachos b'miluah m'kadashot v'raglav m'nei elyon avis b'ridos m'kadashot v'raglav m'nei So this is talking about pre-Ben Ka'in. This is talking about when the Kior only had two spouts. Apparently there was one spout that was higher up on the Kior and one spout that was lower down on the Kior. And it's saying that in the morning when the Kior was full, so then they would use the upper spout in the afternoon when the Kior was already uh, depleted, so then they would use the lower spout. Sounds good to me. We cut and also made some kind of mechanical device so you can lower the Kior into spring water so that the water does not become possible. My muchni, what is this um, mechanical contraption? Some kind of wheel that they would be able to turn and lower the um, kior into a spring water, a spring of water, so that um, they could do that, so that they could like lower it into water and avoid it being possible because it's touching um, spring water. Munbaz, the king, made all of the handles of the vessels uh, in the Besamikdash of gold for Yom Kippur. Why make just the handles gold? Why not make the actual vessels gold? 
Abayi says, well, we're talking about the handles of knives. And knives, a gold knife, apparently wouldn't be so stark. And therefore, you know, wouldn't be a very, very strong knife. And therefore, the blade they would keep out of whatever metal they were using. But the handle he would make out of gold. Mace, we have Akasha, who also, Kane Kalim, he also made the bases of vessels out of gold. Ve'ogne Kalim, and the um, grippers of vessels. Ve'yodos Kalim, and handles of Kalim. Ve'yodos Sakinen, as well as the handles of knives. Shalom HaKippurim Shazav, of Yom Kippur, made out of gold. So we see that, in addition to the knives, it was also other Kalim that, that, that he would make gold. Tagumabai, Bekatosa, Denaigev, Chatzinei. Uh, again, it's talking about the handles of axes and, I don't know, edzes, adzes, I don't know, some kind of other axe that you would need to be stark. And therefore, you couldn't make the blade out of gold because it wouldn't be strong enough, but the, the handles you would make out of gold. Sounds very, very beautiful. Tana, where am I? I think that this is somewhat famous. Some people, some of the chevra over here has heard of this chandelier of Hilni Amalka. That she made this chandelier and she would put it and it was placed by the entrance of the Hechel and when the sun rose, it would shine on this chandelier and, would, and the light would... Ooh, what's the word here? Fra- fractate? Fra- I feel like that's like a word. Like to... to, to fractate? Is that, is that a word? The light would fractate. The light would then go in all directions and they would know, aha, he gives manshal kriyash, manshal shachris, and they would say shema. Tana b'shashacham zarachas, that when the sun would shine in the morning, itzotzis yotzim imeno, so sparks, kilu, light would shine out in all directions, vakoyodin shegia, zman kriyashma, and everyone would know, okay, it's time now to read kriyashma, it is, uh, um, that the, the sun has risen. Meisve, we have a kasha. Koriyashma shachris. Manchi mishma, manchi maimid. If a fellow reads kriyashma in the morning at the same time that the anche mishma, the kohanim, are doing the service in the avoda, what the service in the temple? If so, if regular people read the kriyashma at the same time that the kohanim are doing the service in the temple, read kriyashma, or at the time that the Yisraelim who are on call to guard the the korbanos kilu to read. Not to guard, uh, to guard, what's the, whatever it is, right? Tishmu, it says in the puzzle, Tishmu, as Rashi says, Tishmu lakavli mado, that you should guard the korbanos. So how do you guard the korbanos? In the sense that you have Yisraelim, whose job it was to pray, um, when the, when the, when the korbanos are being offered. So if you read Kriyashma, at the time that the Anchi Mishmar, which are Kohanim, or at the time of the Anchi Maimed, which are Yisraelim, read Kriyashma, lo yotza, you're not going to be yotze, you're not going to fulfill your obligation. Because the Kohanim read Kriyashma early, because they have a lot, a lot of work to do and they might miss it if they're busy with their work, so they read Kriyashma early. Nanchi Maimid only read Kriyashma later after the Korban Tamashal Shachar has been offered. So therefore, on the one end, we're saying that there was this chandelier in the Heichal, and when the light would shine, everybody would know that that's when to read Kriyashma. But at the same time, the people who were doing the service in the, in, in the Beis Mikdash whether it is the Kohanim who are offering the Korbanos or the Yisraelim who are praying for the Korbanos, they, they wouldn't actually read Kriyashma on time. So why are we taking our cue from the chandelier in, in the Eichel, uh, that was outside the Eichel? Amabai, the Shara Amadi Rishalayim. Well, it's not talking about the Kohanim, right? The Anchimishma and the Anchimayim. They would add their own Cheshbim. But for the other people in Jerusalem 
who were there, and they would be able to see the chandelier, so they would know, ah, it's Neitzachama, and they could read Kriyashma. However, the, 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 the Kohanim and the, um, right, the Anshimishma and Anshimaimah, they, they would read whenever they had to read. Vafiosus, a tavla, Hilni also made a, uh, tablet upon which was written the Parsha of Sota, so that if a Kohen, so that, you know, if a Kohen had to write this Parsha of Sota, he wouldn't have to bring a Sefer Torah in order to write it, he could just look up at the tablet and write it. So we see from here that you're allowed to write a scroll with only part of the Torah on it to teach a child. So if you want to teach a child how to read and to learn Chumash, so instead of writing out an entire Sefer Torah, you could just write out a section and the, and the child can read from that because we see that that's what we're doing over here. We took a, a, cha- a portion of the Torah, the Parsha of Sota, we read it, wrote it on a tablet and put that up and that was acceptable. So Rishlakish says, don't get carried away. This tablet just had the first letter of each word. He didn't actually write, it didn't have on it the entire parsha of Sota, because I'll argue that you're not allowed to write just a portion of the Torah. So this tablet just had the first letter of each word, enough so that the coin could look up and see each letter and be like, okay, that's what word I'm up to. But it wasn't written the entire parsha, actually. But one second, we have a brisa that says that when the coin would write the parsha of Sota, he would look up at the tablet and write whatever was written there. So obviously, it was the entire parsha. So I'll say no. It means that he, he's looking and writing like that which is written on the tablet, i.e., on the tablet, it was written just the first letter of each word, and then based on that, he would write the entire word. But we have another kasha that says when he was writing, when he would write the parsha of sota to actually give a, a, a sota to drink, so he would look up at the tablet and write, right? Because the mashukasu betavla would write that which was written on the tablet, umakasu betavla, and then the price continues. And what was written on the tablet? So, it's pretty clear that actually on the, this tablet was not just the first letter of each word, but the actual psukim. So we, apparently, it would be acceptable to write just parts of the Torah. So the Gemara says, awesome No, even so, what that price is saying is that it would say the first part of the Pasuk, and then the rest would just be Rashi Tevis. So as Rashi says, meaning he would say the first words of each pasuk, so that the coin would be able to see, ah, okay, that pasuk, and he would write it, and then the rest would just be the first letter of each word. So it wasn't actually an entire parsha out of context. Um, it, w- it was only sort of parts of each pasuk, just enough so that the to get the coin gadol, uh, not the coin gadol, the, the coin who was writing the parsha of Sota in the Beis Hamikdash f- to give a Sota to drink. Um, just sort of to lead him on in the right direction, but uh, it wasn't actually the entire parsha written, so it wouldn't be a proof that you can write just a part of the Torah um, on its own. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, the first part of the daf we discussed the Kohen, um, his atonement on his parachatas. Is that atonement of, is it verbal through his, his confession or is it through its blood? And we gave two reasons why it is through its, uh, uh, its, um, 
uh, verbal. One was because we learned it out from the goat that's thrown off of a cliff that its atonement is verbal as well as the other proof is from, well, from the fact that when it says, it only later says, so it must mean that this kapara is, is verbal, not through blood. We then got into a new Mishnah, which started talking about the lots that the Kohen Gadol would, uh, the, would, would draw for the, um, for the goats, the Seir La Hashem, the Seir La Azazel. We say that the goats were in the part of the Azar that was to the north as well as to the east, implying that the Mizbeach was completely in the south, which we said is like Rabbi Yezub and Yaakov's opinion. We said that um, the lots can be made out of any material, as long as both lots are the same. And uh, we had an interesting Gemara about the chandelier of Hilni Amalka. I think it's relatively famous that, the, that, 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 that she made this chandelier that was hanging outside of the Heichol. And... Um, when the sun would shine, the chandelier would, 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 would fractate, maybe, um, light in all directions, and then we know that it's time to read Kriyashma. And we had an interesting discussion at the end about can you take a portion of the Torah and write it on its own, for example, to give to a child to learn how to read. So we wanted to bring a proof from this tablet of Hilni Amalka that upon it was written the Parsha of Sota that yes, in fact, you can write only a portion of the Torah on its own, as we see that we this portion of the Torah was written on this tablet, to which we say that, well, it may not have been written verbatim, maybe only just parts of the Pasuk were written and, and other parts were just um, uh, the beginning letter of each word, so it's not necessarily a proof. I hope you enjoyed that. Have a great day. Cheers.